tonight, just where we'll be. Acts chapter number 18, let's begin reading in verse number 1. We're going to look at the first 11 verses tonight, but I want to read down through verse number 5 just by way of introduction tonight. Acts chapter number 18, the Bible says, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. If you'll remember in chapter number 17, the Apostle Paul found Athens to be a city wholly given to idolatry, and it stirred him. It stirred him in his heart. In Acts chapter number 17, it stirred him to preach. We're going to find a similar action tonight in Acts chapter 18. The Bible says, And found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy, with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome, and came unto them, and because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers." And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And I want you to notice verse number 5. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit. Paul was pressed in the Spirit. You ever felt pressure before? By the way, let me ask you, what comes out when you're under pressure? (laughs) Many times that is true, isn't it? But the Bible says here, and this word pressed is very unique. It's similar to the word stir that we find in Acts chapter number, or the thought and idea in Acts chapter number 17 that Paul was stirred when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. But this word here in verse number 5, this word pressed, carries such a deeper uh, and more weighty thought. And that's why we're going to use a certain word tonight. It carries the idea of being constrained. It carries the idea of conviction. But I want to use a word tonight. I want to use the word gravity. The word gravity. The word gravity speaks of weight. It speaks of seriousness. And I want to speak to us tonight on this subject matter, the gravity of the gospel. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 5. When Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit. It does carry a little bit of the idea of being fired up, of being stirred, but, but it's even it's even deeper. It's a, it's a weightiness. It's a seriousness. And notice what happened when he was pressed in the Spirit. And by the way, we'll see what caused him to be pressed in the Spirit. But it says, And testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Now, we saw that in Acts chapter number 13 this past Sunday as well. But the Bible says here that he was pressed. There was a weightiness on his heart and in his mind, and more specifically, In his spirit, there was a conviction, there was a a constraining, if you will. And because of that, he testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Remember in Acts chapter number 13, 
Remember what Paul said? He said, of this man's seed, speaking of David, has come the Savior and His name is Jesus. And here in Corinthians, or excuse me, in Corinth, the Apostle Paul is pressed in his spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. You ever pressed in the spirit about anything today? Have you ever pressed on matters that don't cause you to do something bad? Brother Gene said, what happens when you come under pressure? Mostly bad things sometimes, okay? That, that, that's very true. We get under pressure and it's like the steam comes out of our ears, right? But are we ever pressured in a good way? Are we ever pressed in the Spirit in a good way? That Are we so convicted and so constrained about spiritual matters that it drives us and it pushes us to, to testify, to, to, to give people the gospel? To tell somebody that, hey, Jesus is the Christ. And tonight I want us to look at the gravity of the gospel. Pressed in the Spirit. You know, I've said it many, many times and I'll continue to say it. It doesn't matter if it's short or long or loud or soft. If someone is preaching the truth of the Word of God, we ought to listen to it. But I will say this. I'll make one caveat to that statement. I am much more inclined to listen to someone who I know has a passion about what they're saying. And it, by the way, it doesn't have to be loud. They don't have to be loud for that passion to come across. They don't have to be loud for me to see this guy really believes what he is saying. He is really passionate about, by the way, and I'm, just, I'm not just talking about spiritual matters. It, it could be this individual's passionate about what he does for a living. And boy, you can tell. Can people ever tell that we're passionate about the gospel? That we're passionate about our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I hope tonight we'll be challenged with that as we look at these first 11 verses tonight, as we look at the gravity of the gospel. I'm going I'm to give you two, two thoughts right at the beginning. We'll look at those just quickly, and then I, I want to get to the third thought tonight because that's really where I want us to spend our time tonight. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help. By the way, let me, let me say this. We, we spoke about Athens. As Athens was wholly given to idolatry, Corinth was wholly given to sensuality. They were known as a licentious city. They were given to, uh, if you heard the name Corinth or Corinthian, the, the first thing that came to mind in that day was fornication. And so you think about reading First and Second Corinthians and, and you wonder, and really it helps us to understand why some of those baby believers have such issue with that. Because they lived in a an environment of fornication, of licentiousness, if that is how you pronounce it. It's probably not. But they lived in that environment. And it helps us understand what they were going through and what they were struggling with. But Paul comes to this environment, an environment of sensuality. And the Bible says he's pressed in the Spirit to testify that Jesus is Christ. Father, help us tonight. Just remind us. Challenge our hearts. Help us to leave here tonight with, Lord, I understand. We, we all like to have a good time. and Lord, we, li- we like to have fun. And, and, and the Bible tells us that, that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. 
But Father, there are times when we ought to be pressed in our spirits. There ought to be a weightiness, a seriousness. There ought to be a conviction. There ought to be a heaviness. There ought to be a seriousness. We're constrained and we can't do anything except what you've laid on our hearts to do. And so Father, I simply ask that you'd remind me of that tonight. And that you'd remind all of us tonight. And that we leave here ready to speak your name. Ready to hand out a track and tell someone about the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray for our children tonight and our teenagers. Father, I pray that tonight would be another opportunity for the Word of God to be placed into their hearts. That's our desire tonight. We need more of the Word of God. Every single one of us tonight. We need more of the Word of God. And may tonight be a night that the Word of God is placed into the hearts of our children. Father, help those that are away from us tonight. Help, help the Daniels family tonight. Help family and friends. And Lord, I pray for those that were at the service today that, Lord, may not, may not have ever come to the saving knowledge of Christ. And Father, I'm confident there are folks there today that need to be saved. And Father, I pray that the message would just continue to reverberate in their mind, continue to resonate in their hearts until they get that settled. And so, Father, I pray that you'd help that family, give them the comfort they need. I pray that the Holy Spirit would be uh, ever-present with them. And, Lord, that they would seek that comfort that can only come from Him. And, Lord, we'll surely praise you for it. Father, give us a good night together. We commit these next few moments to you. We ask that you'd bless, and we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want us to see three things here tonight. First of all, I want us to see, first of all, the fellowship of the gospel. As we speak about the gravity of the gospel, I want us to see, first of all, tonight, the fellowship of the gospel. Notice what the Bible says in verses 1 through 3, and then also verse number 5. I'm thankful that, that God allows us, or at least we should, He allows us. By the way, isn't that what brings us together here tonight? I mean, there, there, there are many things that bring us together here tonight. We want our kids to be in the Master Club program, but isn't that about the gospel too? You know, someone asked me one time, he said, they asked me, they said, well, what, what, really, what is the mission statement of Master Club? Well, I understand Master Club have, may have their own mission statement, but why does Maranatha Baptist Church, why do we do Master Club? Well, listen, we do it because it's the same mission statement as everything else we do here. It's Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Everything we do, in some way, some form, some fashion, is going to line up or come in line with what we're trying to do with the gospel and telling people about Jesus Christ and the Great Commission. Look, it may be having an activity with the teenagers, but the idea and the thought is we're going to have fun with the teenagers, but we're going to bring that into the opportunity or, or take that opportunity to be able to give them the Word of God. We're going to take that opportunity to help our teenagers to grow. When my wife and I take our teenagers on a teen advance, it's not just so they can have fun for two or three days away from mom and dad. That's not the, that's not the idea. It's not that, hey, Pastor and Miss Beverly are more fun, fun than your mom and dad, so come have a couple days with us. It's not that at all because the first line of defense is mom and dad, not us. Amen and amen and amen. I'm here to reinforce what hopefully you're already doing in the home. But a teen advance is, is, is so my wife and I can take our teens and we can have time every morning, every night in the Word, specifically in a, 
uh, a specific passage, a specific thought, a specific subject matter. And five or six or seven different times we're, we're speaking about that subject matter and we're going to the Word of God and we're going to the Word of God. And so everything we do is about the gospel. Everything we do is about the Great Commission. Whether it be trying to see someone get saved through the gospel, or whether it be trying to help someone to grow, whether it be trying to get someone to, to take that step of, of believer's baptism and be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ in that fashion and let everybody know I'm identifying with Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. Everything we do is about the gospel, the fellowship of the gospel. In verses 1 through 3, he says, After these things Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth, notice this, and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. We, we preached a message several, several months ago about, about Aquila and Priscilla. Here's this husband and wife giving themselves to the ministry, giving themselves to the gospel. Giving themselves to serve. Boy, I just imagine. I tell you what, I imagine Aquila loved Priscilla. And I imagine she loved Aquila. You don't see, most of the time, you don't see one name without the other. Aquila and Priscilla. And many, many times you find them Co-laboring with the Apostle Paul. The Bible says he finds Aquila and Priscilla. They're there because Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome. Verse 3, And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. For by their occupation, they were tent makers. The fellowship of the gospel. We meet here together tonight because of the gospel. We are bound together tonight because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have folks in our home and we can fellowship together because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can have missionaries come to our home. We don't know them. We've never met them. But they can come to our home. They can come to our church. And immediately we have a bond because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the fellowship of the gospel. Number two tonight. The faithfulness to the gospel. The fellowship of the gospel. Number two, Paul's faithfulness to the gospel. Not just Paul, but all of these individuals here that are spoken of in the first part of Acts chapter number 18. The fellowship of the gospel. But number two, the faithfulness to the gospel. Look here again in Acts chapter number 18. In verse number four. By the way, let me back up just real quick before we leave. Notice verse number three again. Because he was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought. Notice verse number 5. And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit. You know what it was? And, and I'm going to get a little ahead of myself. We'll get to it in, in our third thought, our third point. But Paul was pressed in the Spirit because of what he heard from Timotheus and Silas. Brother Caleb mentioned this in Sunday school a couple of weeks ago, but this is so true. Christians, and especially a church family, should have more to talk about than just the weather. We should have more to talk about than just sports. We have a whole book. We should have more to fellowship together about 
than just temporal things. Although I, I enjoy those things sometimes, but they're temporal. They're, they don't last forever. But the things of the Word, Scripture, that, that lasts forever. Hey, how, how I can encourage another brother or how I can help an, an, another, um, maybe another dad who's, who's raising kids or, 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 or help uh, another young man who's just been married. How I can do that, that's eternal. That, that has eternal impact. That has lasting impact. Hey, if you're, you're in here tonight and, 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 and maybe you're a senior couple, a husband and a wife, you can help a younger couple, a husband and a wife who are just getting started and just having kids. I think sometimes we, we think, well, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't perfect in this area and I wasn't perfect in this area and, and, and my kids aren't perfect and how can I tell someone else about raising kids because my kids aren't even perfect. Because you've been there, because you've done it, and most of all because we have the Word and now years down the road you look back at the Word and you compare what you did to the Word and you know, you, you say, oh yeah, the Word's always right. The Word's right. The Word's always right. And I think we get a little timid sometimes because we don't want to be, we don't want to be overbearing or, or we don't want to come across as, as haughty or pious and, you know, my, my kids are great so you should listen to me about how to raise kids and we, we kind of back off and we kind of get a little timid about that and it's not about our kids being great because our kids are just flesh. And they're not perfect. But we have a Bible that is perfect, that teaches us that which is perfect. The Bible says, as for God, His way is what? Perfect! And the Bible teaches us that way. As for God, Psalm 1830, as for God, His way is perfect. And so we have a Bible that teaches us that way. And we can help others to know that way. By the way, Husband and wife, you've raised kids and maybe you see a younger couple and they're not doing what the Bible says. They, they don't discipline. They don't use the rod of correction. You're hurting them if you don't come alongside and say something. Well, I hope they eventually get it. What if they don't? And you could have been the one that came alongside and said, Hey, let me show what the Bible says. Not that, not that we were perfect, because we weren't. But let me show you what the Bible says. The fellowship of the gospel. Here are individuals, Paul and Aquila and Priscilla and, and Silas and Timotheus in verse number 5. Look, they fellowship together around the gospel and around the word, around that which God brought them or bound them together with. I, I'm always amazed and I, I'm always thankful the people that I know today that I would have never known if God hadn't brought us here. And we know each other, not because of an occupation, but we know each other because of the fellowship of the gospel. We know each other because of the blood of Christ. And we have that in common. Number one, the fellowship of the gospel. Number two, the faithfulness to the gospel. Verse number four. Verse number 4, And he, speaking of Paul, reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks the faithfulness to the gospel. Paul was obedient. Paul was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, Acts says. Paul was obedient. He, he was faithful with the gospel. He persuaded. 
He reasoned and he reasoned in the synagogue and he persuaded. You know, some people say, well, you shouldn't try to persuade someone. Why? That's what Paul did. He reasoned with them. Acts 13, he did what he did so many times. He would go back to their history, go back to the Jewish history, and he would reason with them and bring them to the present. He would go back to history and show them and bring them to the present and say, hey, that one that the prophet spoke of, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And he would reason with them and he would persuade them. He was faithful to the gospel. You might have a family member. You might have a friend. You might have a neighbor. You know what God desires? By the way, whether it's the gospel or whether it's anything tonight, in ministry, in service, you know what God requires? You know what God blesses? Faithfulness. It's not your talent, my talent. It's not our ability. It's faithfulness. You know what God desires many, many times is for us just to stay. Just to stay faithful. I'm not necessarily talking about a location per se, but, but He just wants us to stay faithful to Him and to His Word. To stay, to stay, to stay. To get up tomorrow morning and still be faithful. To go to bed tomorrow night and still be faithful. To get up the next morning and still be faithful. Yeah, but pastor, that's just... Here's the thing. People complain sometimes about church. Church, you know, it's just such a rut. We do the same thing all the time. You do the same thing all the time, Monday through Friday, every week of your life. You know why? Because you're just faithful at what you do. Don't despise the day of small things, the Bible says. And we just get up, we're faithful, we're faithful to our families, we're faithful to our jobs. We do what God desires for us to do. We come home, we go to bed, and we've been faithful all day. We get up the next day, we're just faithful. We're just faithful. The next day, faithful. Next day, faithful. Next day, faithful. Faithful. That's what God blesses. And sometimes it takes a while to see the blessings. But if you'll stay faithful, you'll see them. The Bible says here that Paul, notice in the synagogue, every Sabbath, every Sabbath, he's in the synagogue, reasoning, persuading, reasoning and persuading. By the way, it, it, it's not like us. I come to church and, I, and I'm, I'm, for the most part, I'm preaching. And by the way, that's what the church is. The church is for saved people. It's a called out assembly, right? You with me? Yes, not. Do I need to close my Bible and go home? Is, am, am I wrong on that? No, we are a called out assembly. That's what the church is. Okay, so I'm preaching to a bunch of saved people. That's not what Paul was always preaching to in the synagogue. Most of the time he wasn't preaching to a congregation of saved people. He was preaching to Jews and Greeks, primarily Jews though in the synagogue. And he's preaching to people who they're going to hear. Some are going to believe. The Bible gives us examples even in a passage tonight. Some are going to believe, but many aren't. And many are going to be very angry because they're going to say, Paul... You're, you're going against Moses, you're going against the law, you're going against Abraham, even though he wasn't. But that's the audience he, he would have had. And they're ready to drag him out and to stone him. But you know what he was? He was faithful. Faithful to the gospel. Faithful. Number one, the fellowship of the gospel. Number two, faithfulness to the gospel. And then I want to give you number three. 
Number three, and I, I think it's even weightier than this, but I, I use this word tonight. Number three, the fire for the gospel. Number one, the fellowship of the gospel. Number two, the faithfulness to the gospel. And number three tonight, the fire for the gospel. The Bible says Paul was pressed in the Spirit. What, what, what was he pressed in the Spirit about? Why was there such conviction and constraint and such seriousness and gravity? Look again in verse number 5. I, I, I want to give you five things just quickly that, that I believe that the Apostle Paul is pressed in the Spirit about. That, that, that he is, there's gravity and seriousness and weight and constraint and conviction about the gospel. The Bible says in verse number 5, And when Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Hey, what I'm doing, this is what I should continue to do. Preaching the gospel, preaching that Jesus is the Christ, that's what I should continue to do. But more specifically, here's the first thing. He was pressed in the Spirit, first of all, by the report. By the report that he received from Timotheus and Silas. Take your Bibles, if you would, just real quickly, and go with me to 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1 tonight. Or excuse me, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. First of all, Paul was pressed in the Spirit. He was fired up, if you will. He was constrained and convicted. There was, there, there, there was gravity. There was weightiness. Why? First of all, because of the report. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. They've come from Macedonia. They, they bring him news, at least from one place in particular. They bring him news from Thessalonica. Remember, the, the brethren, they make Paul leave Thessalonica. Paul's not running. They make him leave because there's, there's persecution, there's oppression. So he leaves. He ends up in Athens, as we saw in chapter number 17. Then from there, here in chapter number 18, he ends up in Corinth. But here in Corinth, he receives a report. From Timotheus and Silas. And what kind of report was it? It was a good report. Look what the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 3 verse number 1. He says, Wherefore when we could no longer forbear. Paul, he's, 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 he's so concerned about these new believers in Thessalonica. He wants to know how they're doing. He's concerned about them. He says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ. There we go. There, there's that fellowship of the gospel again. To establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Paul, boy, he's concerned about these new believers. And he doesn't know how they're doing. He doesn't know what's happening. Here's what he does know about Thessalonica. He knows it's a place of persecution. He knows it's a place of affliction. Pastor, how do you know that? Chapter 1. We know that. And by the way, the Bible says that the Thessalonians, they receive the Word of God with much joy, even in the midst of affliction, 1 Thessalonians 1 says. But Paul is concerned about him. He sends Timotheus. In verse number 3, verse 2, it says, He sent Timotheus to establish and to comfort you concerning your faith. Verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. What is he saying there in verse number 3? What was he concerned about? What was Paul concerned about about the Thessalonian believers? 
Okay, there's safety. What else? The Bible says in verse number 3. He said, I don't want any of you to be moved. He said, I don't want any of you to get discouraged and quit because of the affliction and the persecution that you're going through. By the way, would that be a natural inclination for a, for a baby believer to give up and quit with such affliction and such persecution? Man, I got saved. I thought this was going to be better than this. I, I, I thought he would protect me and help me more than this. And Paul said, he says that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass. And ye know, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear. Paul said, I, I, I couldn't stand anymore. I needed to know how you were doing. He said, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. Now he's not talking about them losing their salvation there, but he is talking about the tempter tempting them, the adversary tempting them, the devil tempting them, and moving them away, and moving them, and, and having them, or causing them to quit in the service that God had called them to, that God had saved them. Look, we, we know this tonight. God has saved us for a reason. And it's not to quit. And it's not to get discouraged. And it's not to quit because there's persecution and affliction and oppression. Verse 6. Here we go. Here's the report. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us, what's the next two words? Good tidings of your faith and charity and that ye have good remembrance of us always desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you. You know what I can imagine in, in Acts chapter number 18? The Apostle Paul gets the report. Timotheus and Silas, they come back from Thessalonica and they come back and they say, hey, hey everything's well. They're still hanging in. They're still at it. Yes, they're being persecuted. And yes, they're, they're, they're receiving afflictions. But they're staying at it. And the Bible says here, in verse number 7, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Paul was pressed in his spirit by the report. Hey, if these in Thessalonica are staying at it, then I can stay at it. If they, hey, those in Thessalonica encourage Paul. We always think about Paul being the encourager. And he was. We think about Paul being the, he was the teacher and they were the disciples and he was the great encourager and he had all the strength and he did. But seeing these baby Christians staying at it and getting that report, the Bible says he's pressed in his spirit. You know what, if they're still doing it and they're still giving the gospel, then I need to continue to testify to the Jews that Jesus is Christ. Number one, Paul was pressed by the report, number two, Paul was pressed by the reality. He was pressed by the report, but secondly, he was, excuse me, he was pressed by the reality. Again, verse number five, by the reality of what? That there were people who needed to be saved. There were people who needed to hear the gospel. You don't have to turn there, but let me, let me read you a verse if I could. First Corinthians chapter nine and verse number 16. Paul says, for though I preach the gospel... I have nothing to glory of. 
for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. He says, I'm nothing. He says, necessity is laid upon me. That's just what I should do. And he says, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Paul was pressed by the report, but he was pressed by the reality. There are people, there are people in the synagogue, there are Jews who need to be saved. There are Jews who need to hear. There are Jews who need to have me reason and persuade and show them that this Jesus is the Christ. Number three, he was stirred by the report. He was stirred by the reality. Number three, he was stirred by the rejectors. Notice verse number six. The Bible says, And when they opposed themselves, what a phrase, they opposed themselves and blasphemed. He shook his raiment and said unto them, He didn't get scared, he didn't quit. He said, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From henceforth I will go unto the Gentiles. He said, I am clean. By the way, what was he clean from? Huh? Their blood. Acts chapter number 20. He says, I am free from the blood of all men. I can't say that tonight. By the way, we're close enough. Would you turn over to that? Turn over there. Excuse me. Blah, blah, blah. Turn over there to Acts 20. We know verse number 24. None of these things move me. Verse 25. And now behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day. Notice this. That I am pure. That I am pure from the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. I am pure from the blood of all men. I have not shunned. I have not shunned. I have not neglected to give you the whole counsel of God. Paul was pressed by the report. He was pressed by the reality. He was pressed by the rejectors. Look, I am pure from the blood of all men. I, I have given you the gospel. I have told you and showed you that this Jesus is Christ. And he says, I am clean. From henceforth I will go into the Gentiles. Number four, he was pressed by the reassurance. Would you look at verse number nine? Actually, let, let, let's read the whole context. Look at verse seven. And he departed thence and entered into a certain man's house named Justice, one that worshiped God, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house. And many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. Then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by a vision, Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee. For I have much people in this city. Is that not reassurance? Paul, stay at it. Paul, stay there. Paul, I, I know some are going to believe and some aren't. Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, the Bible says, believed in all of his house. But there are others who were stirred up. Other Jews didn't like what he was preaching, that this Jesus is the Messiah. And God comes to him. And he reassures him. Be not afraid, but speak. And hold not thy peace. What does God tell us? I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. 
What did the Apostle Paul tell Timothy? Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, excuse me, rebuke and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But Timothy, you preach. Well, that reassurance helps us, doesn't it? Such weight, such seriousness, such conviction, such constraint. Boy, he got the report. They're still doing well. They're still there. They're still staying at it. They're, they're afflicted. They're oppressed. They're persecuted. But they're still serving the Lord. It's pressed by the reality. Necessity is laid upon me. He is pressed by the rejectors. He was pressed by the reassurance. Let me give you number five. He was pressed by the redeemed. The Bible says in verse number 11, and he continued there a year and six months, a year and a half, teaching the word of God among them. People were getting saved. Crispus. A ruler in the synagogue saved a believer. The Bible says he stayed there for a year and a half teaching. Pressed in the Spirit. Such weight, such conviction. Hey, let, let me challenge us with something tonight. If it's been a long time since the Holy Spirit has laid some weight upon you, maybe you need to get alone tonight when you get home and pray. Because listen, when we're in the Word and, and, and we're in communion with God and, and we're listening to the Word of God being preached and we're listening to the Holy Spirit and we're, we're, we're allowing the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures to work in tandem together, listen, there's going to be times when He just puts weight on us. Not in a bad way. It's just a conviction. It's a constraint. And yes, sometimes it, yes, sometimes it feels like a heaviness, but it's a, it's a good heaviness. It's a good weight. It's a good gravity. Because he's pressing upon us something he wants us to do or he's pressing upon us the fact that, hey, can I reassure you? Stay at it. Can I, hey, don't fear. I, that I have a lot of people in this city. Now, some may disagree. I believe he's saying to Paul, there's still a lot of people to be saved here. That's what I believe. Uh, there, there's still a lot of people here that are going to be saved, Paul. So stay at it. The fellowship of the gospel, the faithfulness to the gospel, the fire for the gospel. He was pressed by the report. And those baby believers, they're still staying at it. That means I need to stay at it. There's no doubt they, they want to hear from me. And what if, they, what if they hear that the Apostle Paul quit? He was pressed by the report. He was pressed by the reality. Necessity is laid upon me. There are still many who need to be saved. I'm pure from the blood of all men. Everyone I meet needs to hear the gospel. He was pressed by the rejectors. We, you can reject. You can blaspheme. And, and, and you can, what's the phrase there? They, um, they oppose themselves. What a phrase. They oppose themselves. Hey, I'm going to the Gentiles. I'm the apostle to the Gentiles. That's where I'm going. He's pressed by the rejectors. He's pressed by the reassurance. There are times when God reassures you that what you're doing is right. 
He does. He does. He reassures us. I've told you all this story, but a couple years ago, Paige is in college, and the Lord had really, He had pressed upon me something specific. He had pressed upon me to do something that, in my heart, I'm thinking, Lord, I have a daughter in college. I need this. And he just prepped for, for, for several weeks. He just pressed. And it was waiting. There, there would be days that the weight was, was heavy. And it wasn't a bad weight at all. I just knew the Lord was speaking. And I knew He was pressing in my heart. And I finally, one day, and I, Beverly and I talked about it. And she's like, you know, if, if, if that's what you need to do, do it. And I remember when I, I took that step of faith and I obeyed the Lord. That very week, at the end of the week, I think it was like three days later, God gave me reassurance. God gave me reassurance. Our daughter got a, a, a missionary scholarship for almost $4,000 that semester. Three days after I said, Lord, okay. If this is what you want me to do. By the way, you know how she got the scholarship? She, they were having a missions conference and she just went and took selfies with all the missionaries and sent in all the pictures and she won the contest. And she, she, she sends me, I'm sitting up at my desk and it was on a Thursday or Friday night, I'm sitting up at my desk working and studying and she sends me this picture. She's holding a big cardboard check. With her name on it. <laughs> That's reassurance. God does that for us. I mean, I ain't gotten a cardboard check. Actually, all my checks are cardboard checks and they're not worth anything. <laughs> hey, it's different ways God gives us assurance, isn't it? Stay at it. Obey me. Listen to me when I'm pressing. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And I'll give you reassurance. And then he was pressed because of the redeemed. You know what? I need to stay here. I need to teach them the word. Fellowship of the gospel. I'm thankful we have that. Faithfulness to the gospel. God help us to be so. And the fire of the gospel. God help us to be pressed in our spirit that other people need to hear that Jesus Christ is the Savior. That Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Savior of mankind. Whew. Ought to be some weight there. Ought to be some gravity. Ought to be some pressing in the Spirit. You're getting ready, probably within the next couple weeks, you're getting ready to probably have occasions with family that you normally don't have throughout the year. I'm going to tell you what, if, if God Almighty is pressing in your spirit to speak, you better do it. If, he, if He's pressing in my spirit to speak, I better do it. Because we have the opportunity to sit, tell someone Jesus is the Christ and to testify of the gospel. Amen? Father, thank You for the time You've given us tonight. Father, thank You for the gospel. Thank You for the Apostle Paul. What an example he is to us. 
Father, thank you for other believers. What examples they are to us. Father, Timothy and Silas coming with a good report. Encourage the Apostle Paul. And Father, we should be doing that with each other. Good reports of how we're doing well and how we're growing or maybe how our kids are growing. And it can encourage another family or another mom and dad to just stay at it that their kids can grow in the same way. Father, help us. Father, help us to be an encouragement to each other. Father, help us to truly fellowship in the gospel. Father, help us to truly be faithful with the gospel. And Father, may you press. May there be a fire. And even even really greater than a fire, it's, it's a weight. It's a constraint. Necessity is laid upon us. May we have that even tonight. May we have that as we go out tomorrow. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Help us as we go to our homes tonight. Help us as we pray. Father, incline your ear toward us, and we'll thank you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hey, I know it's a little bit later. It's 8.05. If you need